Welcome to Radio Rev, podcasting from the heart of healthcare in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This is the podcast for changemakers looking to do more than just health engagement. It's about getting people to take action and do things that actually improve their health. It's a radical idea, right? So we're talking to the leaders, innovators, movers, and shakers who are bringing new ideas, inspiring others, and leading the way. Welcome back to another episode of Radio Rev. I'm Jen Delwo. Thank you for joining us for season two. This series of episodes dives deep into social determinants of health, offering various viewpoints on the topic with a different industry expert each week with the hope that you take away new ideas, perspectives, and are inspired to look at SDOH in a new light from all angles. As a collective, the goal of these conversations is to inspire innovation and motivate the healthcare industry to work together to create meaningful solutions that help people live stronger, healthier lives. Today, we are joined by Andre Blackman, CEO at Onboard Health. Andre, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Jen. I'm really happy to be here and and jump into this conversation. Yeah, I'm excited. So to kick things off, what's your favorite 80s song? Let's see. Um, I would definitely say Carry On Wayward Son by Kansas. Um, And the reason why is... Um, I'm a big fan of the show Supernatural <laughs> and, um, and that was kind of one of the opening theme songs and it's really kind of introduced me to a lot of classic songs. So I'm not even sure if that's 80s per se, uh, it might actually be 70s, but if I had to choose uh, definitely an, an 80s song, it would probably have to be Eurythmics. Amazing choices. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Even if the Kansas song isn't from the 1980s, we're just, we're going with it today. Thank you so much. (laughs) So why don't we start with you telling us about yourself, a bit about your background and how you came to head up Onboard Health. Yeah. So, so my background um, is this kind of interesting mix of uh, kind of straight up like STEM, science, tech, uh, engineering, that sort of thing, um, and public health and communications. And so uh, kind of growing up um, in the D.C., Maryland area, um, I was a huge geek. Uh, and so, you know, did the whole thing around, you know, chemistry sets. My mom was very focused on just kind of giving me uh, the things that I needed to challenge my brain and just kind of looking at biology and all those kind of different things. Um, throughout high school, um, I had amazing opportunities to do internships, uh, places like Walter Reed um, and um, the Naval Research Lab, so materials engineering um, aerospace, uh, did my, my high school, I guess, internship, uh, at NASA, literally working with an astrophysicist. And wow. that is, yeah, that, that world was definitely my, my formative years in high school that I got exposed to those kind of things. And then just kind of, you know, caught the bug around epidemiology and public health, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> um, in college. I went to University of Maryland College Park for aerospace engineering. Um, obviously, NASA is, is right around the corner and um, took this elective course around uh, how, uh, you know, disease and epidemiology works and learned about how, uh, you know, tuberculosis was making uh, a hard comeback and impacting uh, specific communities like the African-American community. And so for me and my engineering brain trying to figure things out and, and problem solve, that didn't really make a lot of sense to me. 
Uh, I was like, you know, didn't we eradicate tuberculosis like 800 years ago or something like that? Like, why is that still a thing? <laughs> and moreover, why is it impacting the African-American community? And so that's what really kind of pulled me into the whole world of public health. I grew up around a lot of nurses and doctors, but public health made a lot more sense to me, uh, mainly because it was around prevention and preventing large groups of people from getting sick. And that just made a lot more sense to me. And so that's what kind of pulled me into that world. Changed my major, went into the School of Public Health and, you know, built a really interesting career around that time around communications and strategy as well. And so for the past, you know, decade and a half have been really at the forefront of public health and healthcare innovation. Started the Pulse and Signal blog back in 2007, which seems like eons ago at this point, um, but really kind of started writing about the intersection of health and technology and at that time, uh, digital uh, strategy and social media and how that was really um, changing the landscape across all industries, but uh, uh, you know, really, really specifically focused on, on health. And so that's what kind of really afforded me a platform, um, being able to advise and, and do webinars and things of that nature with places like HHS is when, you know, things like AIDS.gov was just getting launched and being just kind of a voice around social media and public health. Uh, was really what got me started. Awesome. Thank you for that background. So I want to talk a little bit more about onboard health. And the first time you and I spoke, I wrote or I read the article that you wrote about what inspired you to start the company. So I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit more and what some of onboard health's goals are. Yeah, absolutely. And and so uh, thank you so much for reading that, Jenna. And uh, <laughs> and uh, once again, just kind of you know moving this narrative forward. Um, so for me, you know, my uh, whole curiosity about, you know, how things work and how to uh, best get equipped um, and, you know, having the resources, the connections um, to really kind of build the future of health um, really kind of stemmed from, you know, a particular experience for me and, and um, back in high school when, you know, I really kind of got a sense and, and an experience around uh, what it felt like to um, kind of not be believed that I was able to do the work that I wanted to do, right? And so this is where, you know, the conversations around diversity and inclusion, um, you know, systemic racism, um, you know, bias really comes into play. And that's what really kind of started um, me thinking, you know, especially looking back around how so many opportunities can get squashed, especially for young people. Um, as they want to kind of build their careers and, and where they should go. Um, and so I explained that experience in that article. Um, and that also led me to, um, you know, kind of do a lot uh, as much as I could to understand how to, uh, to build things, how to connect people to a mission, all those kind of different things came together. And so for me, um, you know, working in the healthcare innovation landscape for a number of years, um, the pivotal year for me for Onboard Health specifically uh, came around in, in 2016, where I had the amazing opportunity to give the commencement address at my alma mater at the School of Public Health at the University of Maryland. And first and foremost, I was like, you guys sure you want me to be the commencement address speaker when the year before it was literally the Surgeon General? But I was definitely, you know, told like, you know, your uh, kind of trajectory and your um, you know, your experience around entrepreneurship and innovation in public health is exactly what we want the students to hear about this year. And so that's exactly what I did. And as I was speaking into the lives of these kind of outgoing students, um, it really started to dawn on me that 
the, the importance of being equipped for the world to come, right? It wasn't going to be the traditional um, landscape that I, you know, even graduated in just, you know, not that long ago, but it was going to look a lot different, especially seeing this intersection of public health and the social determinants, a lot of upstream issues, um, and how that was merging together with, you know, traditional medicine and healthcare. Um, and I saw that as an opportunity to really start looking at the workforce. Um, and that's when, you know, when I gave the commencement address, I started thinking about the students that were going out um, and what they needed to know, what they need to learn, what they need to work on and do um, in order to be um, effective in their work to change the future of health. And so that kind of really planted the seeds in my head uh, for onboard health. It's really looking at the workforce, um, the talent that was going to be needed to bridge these kind of opportunities and looking at, you know, not only kind of public health and traditional medicine and healthcare, but what are the kind of roles and skill sets that are going to be needed to, to tackle a lot of these problems from a multidisciplinary um, uh, and cross-disciplinary kind of, um, you know, perspective. So, you know, who are the people in, you know, um, UX and design thinking or data science or engineering, policy, communications, um, you know, business development, you know, looking at all those kind of skill sets that are going to be absolutely necessary in order to build um, a sustainable future of health. And so with that lens, alongside of the very important aspect of diversity and inclusion, right, I mean, specifically for health, right, and, and all the things that we're talking about, um, it's absolutely critical to have a workforce that reflects uh, the communities that we have in our society. And I saw that as a, as a huge need and a huge opportunity as well. And so with that in mind, that's how Onboard Health got started. And, you know, we really got focused on building a community of people that had those kind of backgrounds or uh, wanted to use their skill sets to build the future of health. And that's how things got rolling uh, back in 2017. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the inspiration for, for the company um, is to make it really easy for, on one hand, to have this community, right, um, of talented individuals that reflect the diversity um, of our society, whether that's, you know, more women, more people of color, more people from the LGBTQ community who also have traditionally, you know, been marginalized in a lot of their care, even still to this day. And so I saw the need for that, especially because hearing from a lot of employees or employers um, about where to go, right, to find uh, more uh, diverse talent. And I want to really remove that barrier um, and remove that narrative around there's a pipeline issue, we don't know where to go. I want to make that really easy um, for, um, you know, companies to find that talent um, as well as grow this kind of community as well. So, you know, right now, Onboard Health is a specialized executive search um, and advisory firm that's really dedicated to building the leadership um, at these companies, specifically, you know, venture-backed startups and larger organizations who, you know, are building the future of health and making sure that the leadership reflects the diversity um, of our society and making sure that, you know, the goals that we all have when we're talking about the future of health um, making that more equitable and inclusive, uh, which ultimately leads to more inclusive services and products. Um, and so that, those are kind of the goals that we have at Onboard Health is to not only kind of really connect a dynamic workforce together, but also to make sure that, you know, a lot of these companies that are using, you know, tech for mental health or, you know, chronic disease or looking at the built environment, 
um, and food sustainability, all those kind of things that are moving together to build our, our future, um, have a team that reflects, um, you know, what this society and country looks like. Yeah, I, I really love that. And I, you've touched on this a little bit, and this question may seem obvious, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Why is inclusion and diversity so important in the workplace, and how does that help a company thrive? Yeah, those, those are great questions and, and things that, you know, we are actively asking ourselves, you know, across the, uh, the workforce right now. Um, I would definitely say specifically, you know, in um, the healthcare, you know, landscape as well, um, it's so critical because of the, the services and the products that are being uh, created. Uh, we want to make sure that they are speaking the language, that they're representative of uh, the populations that we want to serve, right? Like that just makes sense that, you know, we have, you know, patients and, you know, general population feeling like they are included in the services and products that are being built. Um, And not only just from a a feel good, you know, standpoint, right? Because that oftentimes has been the narrative around diversity and inclusion is that it's, you know, it's something, you know, that's morally based, which, you know, there's some truth to that as well. Uh, but as we're talking about, you know, situations, especially right now, as we're dealing with, you know, COVID-19 and, you know, the fallout that is touching, you know, the economy, right? Small businesses, communities, you know, learning about, um, about the situation and what they can do. Um, if there's, you know, a literacy issue, right? You know, oftentimes there's a trust issue, you know, um, as we were kind of talking about earlier of tuberculosis and impacting the African-American community that community has had, you know, historic um, inequities and, you know, institutionalized racism associated with it, right? From, you know, redlining in communities and preventing business loans and, you know, um, funding for communities as well. Um, It's so important to have a lens around diversity and inclusion specifically for that in business, because we know, you know, what are these kind of products um, and services that we're offering if they don't include the communities that they're talking to, um, oftentimes it's going to not only fall on deaf ears, uh, but have really tragic, uh, you know, outcomes when it comes to um, our population's health. So when it comes to, to to that kind of overall landscape, it's so incredibly important to make sure that we're we're looking at things from from that lens. And then from a talent perspective, right, and from the workforce, it really helps companies because of the amount of lived experiences that come to the table. Um, you know, as you're creating, you know, these kind of campaigns or these, you know, these, you know, ventures, um, you know, we, and we can point to a number of them, right? Like in the, in the overall ad industry, there've been so many missteps because there haven't been people on the team that to, to pull, you know, leadership aside or even the leadership themselves to say like, this is probably not going to be a great idea. And what's at stake uh, when we're talking about public health and healthcare is so much more important. That, that we need to absolutely like, you know, have a lens on that. And so helping a company thrive specifically around, you know, having more people represented in the products and the service that you're creating, you know, it's, it's a no brainer as it relates to, you know, revenue generation and the brand equity that you have uh, across the board. So, you know, those are some of the, the high level aspects of, of why it's important and why it helps a company thrive. So the work that you all are doing at Onborn Health ties directly with the theme of this season, which is social determinants of health. Can you explain the correlation? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the social determinants, you know, where we live, work, and play, right? You know, once again, 
you know, looking at this, this kind of relatively new intersection around those kind of concepts in traditional medicine and healthcare, right? So we're seeing a lot of, you know, health systems like investing in neighborhoods, you know, where they're at. And, you know, once again, you know, as, as we're talking to patients and letting them know that they need to do A, B, and C, if we're releasing them back into their, you know, the, the neighborhoods without any kind of context, um, you know, around, you know, uh, continuing on their care and things of that nature, um, you know, once again, with our, our, you know, current landscape around value-based care, that, that's a, it's a, once again, it's, it's very much linked to the longevity and the impact um, of care. And so once again, if we're looking at the workforce and making sure that companies and, um, and ventures, you know, represent the communities that they're serving, uh, there's going to be, you know, more opportunity for trust. There's going to be more opportunity uh, to make sure that your services are being used the way that you want them to be used um, and having the right amount of feedback um, that keeps it going, right? Um, and so, you know, with the social determinants and looking at, you know, um, you know, opportunities around, you know, food sustainability, you know, there's the whole food as medicine kind of movement that's really kind of resurfaced. Um, and there's, you know, opportunities to, you know, prescribe healthy food, right? Um, right. And nutrition now is part of, um, you know, the future of health. Uh, transportation, right? You know, getting patients to and from uh, their appointments. And so you, you see companies like Uber and Lyft, you know, getting into, you know, the transportation landscape, right? And obviously with, you know, chronic disease and mental health, these are all things that are now opening up the discussion for how expansive health is and how do we keep people healthy, which is, you know, adds to the bottom line across the board. And so once again, if we have the leadership that reflects these kind of communities, you know, it, it only makes sense for, um, from like a communications perspective, from a business development perspective, um, this ultimately creates the sustainable aspect of healthcare that, you know, oftentimes get associated with the social determinants. Yeah, and you've, you've touched on this too, but I think your perspective is unique because you're not just talking about social determinants in healthcare. There's something bigger at play, and I think it's important to acknowledge that so how does social determinants come into focus at work? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, you know, and I think even now, like literally right now, as we're starting to see, um, you know, a lot of just negative fallout from uh, the fragility of our economy, right? I mean, just yeah. looking at how the workforce ties into, you know, whether you're a new parent at home, right? And this this to me is an example of the social determinants where, you know, are we giving, you know, um, you know, maternity leave and paternal leave, you know, the, the justice that it deserves in order to create, you know, strong families and strong communities, right? Like this is now a, a conversation that, you know, enters into the workforce and into the workplace. Um, and so, you know, that adds to things like mental health and stress, right? You know, if, if the workplace and, and companies are able to have um, you know, build more, more empathy into how they're treating their employees, um, that goes the distance as far as, uh, you know, longevity um, and building those kind of, you know, trust factors and bonds that, that kind of move our economy forward. And so like, like I mentioned, like right now, we're starting to see, you know, our people um, being taken care of with their families at home now that schools are shut down, right? I mean, like with school shut down, you know, you have the kids at home, there's still you know, um, an expectation around keeping up with work um, and things of that nature. And so, you know, even outside of the quote unquote specifics around health, this absolutely, you know, creates 
some questions and dynamics that will ultimately impact health, right? Um, you know, for freelancers, you know, and, and people that, you know, are on the front lines of retail and things of that nature. What, what now, right? I mean, and this is literally where um, the social determinants from this kind of perspective uh, comes into play. And I, and I think that's, that's a really important conversation to have right now, uh, you know, especially as we're looking at, you know, do we have leadership that can say like, yeah, this is actually a big issue for, you know, our community here, right? You know, and, and looking at, you know, how to mitigate, you know, some of the, you know, the, the disparities that are actually impact health, right? Chronic disease and illness oftentimes are, you know, the ones that, that plague uh, underrepresented communities, right? You know, if we're looking at access to care um, and paycheck and salary, you know, and, and the overall kind of livelihood of our workers, you know, this is where health really comes into play. That isn't just strictly, you know, looking at healthcare, but it's, you know, how we live, how we work, um, where we go for, uh, to get, you know, re regenerated around faith or things of that nature as well, right? All those kind of places are in flux right now. And so what are the long-term effects and impacts is something that we're, we're, you know, have yet to be seen, but something that we need to be thinking about right now for sure. Absolutely. And with everything changing so quickly, it's, it's hard to really know where things are going. But if you, if you can look ahead, uh, what do you see as the biggest barrier or barriers to addressing SDOH, either in healthcare, at work, or as a whole? Where do you think we can have the biggest impact right now? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I would definitely feel like, you know, the, the kind of biggest impact is to make sure that we are getting really clear and a clear pathway to understanding how to best serve uh, our communities. And, you know, I think, you know, now we're starting to see, you know, companies that are, you know, connecting the dots, right? So with companies like City Block Health, uh, really, you know, merging, you know, technology um, and community insights, uh, you know, and, and having people in uh, these regions, right? Like face-to-face uh, communication and really having that direct line and pathway. I think th those are kind of the, the biggest opportunities for impact that we have right now is, is oftentimes just kind of slowing down and saying, like, okay, like, how are we actually, you know, creating the solutions that we want to see you know, across our population? And, you know, oftentimes the, the conversation goes directly into like the technology or the product being built. But now more than ever, you know, there's an opportunity now to really kind of understand, um, you know, where, what are the barriers, right? Uh, so for example, Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick in, uh, based in Washington, D.C., is uh, the founder of Grapevine Health. What she's doing is really, you know, figuring out, like, with all the innovations that have been taking place and all the kind of, you know, talk around how, you know, you know digital health and things of that nature can, can really make an impact, she's literally seeing like how that plays out in and across communities from a literacy perspective, right? How much of, of the, the quote unquote hype or the promises um, for, for impact and, and solutions really kind of getting into the hands of people that need it, right? Um, and I think that's a big barrier right now is, you know, how does this, how does this really translate um, across communities? Um, because, you know, we can talk about, you know, telehealth and telemedicine all day, but, you know, how's that actually getting um, to the right kinds of people? And so I think spending a lot more time figuring that out, um, which, is, which, which isn't always fast, uh, and it's hardly fast, 
um, and oftentimes does not have to do with the actual technology, uh, but really kind of figuring out the translation piece. I think that is going to be, you know, part of the, the conversation, especially as we're talking about social determinants of health, which has gotten really hot over the past year and a half, two years. You know, we're having those kind of panels at these large conferences and, and organizations and, and events, um, but what we don't really see are people from the community, right? Um, and we can talk about, you know, patients as well, being at the seats at the table for a lot of these innovations and feedback. But I think that's going to be uh, one of the, the areas that we can make the best impact. Because even with today and what's going on right now, like, it's going to be increasingly more important to cut down the time that it takes to really make uh, solutions worthwhile. Uh, we don't have time to do uh, pilots for one, two, three years. Um, we got to get this thing going. So I, I would say definitely that um, understanding how your product and solutions and how that actually translates into um, uh, sustainable impact and feedback from the communities. Yeah, I completely agree. So to wrap up, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about our healthcare system, I feel like this is such a big question, or, <laughs> or the way we're talking about social determinants, what would it be? Yes, that's a great question. I would definitely say, uh, just to piggyback on that last piece, is that we really need to pay attention to uh, the leadership that we have at these kind of companies uh, that, that are building, that are getting, you know, the funding that they need and things of that nature that sound like they're going to be, um, you know, critical and, and impactful for, uh, for things like the social determinants um, and having a more critical eye um, on where on where those things go, and and I would definitely say that as as it relates to um, you know the wider distribution um, and making sure that once again they're reaching the right and intended kinds of kinds of people because I, I really feel like that piece is going to make sure that uh, there's longevity at a lot of these kind of companies and 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 within our healthcare system um, and overall making sure that you know, the, the resources don't go to waste, right? Like there's still that kind of stark difference. Once again, like, you know, what we're, ha what we're seeing right now as far as, you know, crisis response um, and the burden of a lot of frontline healthcare workers, um, you know, once again, it, looking at how we need to address infrastructure is going to be increasingly important because once again, we can't, it, it's going to be hard for us to continue layering on technology and tools and um, kind of anecdotal evidence when the root and the base and the foundation of the system uh, just does not work for a lot of people, right? Um, and so once again, really kind of investing into that structural aspect is going to be really important. So on the personal side, what's the coolest thing that you've done lately? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, I think personally, it would be having a daddy daughter dance. <laughs> oh, <fine. laughs> uh, I would definitely say that's the coolest thing for me because once again, like, you know, I, I've been really focused on what the next decade or two is going to look like for our society, especially when it comes to health and being able to spend some time, uh, you know, with my daughter around uh, just things that, you know, that really matter. And I think that's going to be one of the things that we need to really focus on. Uh, and I, and I, and I hate to continue saying like, you know, in our current situation right now, but I think, you know, as it comes to isolation and, and you know, uh, a lot of fear and anxiety and stress that's happening, what's really going to be important is 
figuring out what are the things that build resilience in our communities and among each other, whether that's in our families, um, in our neighborhoods, things of that nature. I think that's going to be the ultimate innovation is to make sure that we're spending the time doing the things that recharge us uh, personally, but also reinforce um, you know, uh, bonds um, that, that help to bring us joy uh, and you know, make sure that we're taking care of each other. So, uh, you know, from that kind of, you know, personal, uh, you know, kind of event, it's, it's made me think about, you know, uh, as one of my friends says, keeping the main thing, the main thing. So, yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. If people would like to connect with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Absolutely. I am on Twitter as mind of Andre and head on over to onboardhealth.co. Uh, to learn more and to keep up with our blog and across social as well. Uh, but, you know, thank you so much, Jen, for this opportunity to, to chat about something that's very important to me. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how things work out this year um, as, as we're kind of working through all these different situations as well. Thanks for joining us for the Radio Rev podcast brought to you by Revel. If you found today's conversation as informative and energizing as we did, please take a moment and subscribe to the podcast. As always, we invite you to learn more about us and check out all of our content at rebel-health.com forward slash radio rev.